Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And good day, everybody. Welcome. Episode 132 of the Talking Friars podcast. Ben Fadden, your host here Today, it is March 23rd, 2022. Again, anyone on YouTube watching live or watching on replay, I really appreciate it. Anyone watching live, feel free to tell me where you're watching from. Leave your comments. Any questions you have, I'll get to those as well. Any comments that you have, just feel free to let them go right into the comments there. And I'll try to get to as many as I can here. Uh, For those listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any audio format, I appreciate that. Gaglionbros.com is our sponsor. Gaglion Bros, famous cheesesteaks and subs, located at Petco Park for the entire season. They are located down the third baseline and the upper deck. Great cheesesteak with cheese whiz. That's my go-to garlic fries. Located in Point Loma, Sports Arena, Gaglionbros.com to view their entire menu. That is the sponsor of our episode today. Today we have a lot to talk about. Uh, first, Manny Machado, you know, hit the, that's the big header, you know, for this episode uh, is if he will be a Padre for life. He made some interesting comments on 97.3 The Fans Morning Show, Ben and Woods, earlier today uh, about his future with the Padres. Obviously, he has an opt-out after 2023, so that's a big question, uh, you know, at least a significant question, maybe not a, a huge question, but at least a significant question, you know, among Padre fans, at least on Twitter, because they want certainty that their second best player is going to be on the Padres for years to come. Um, so we got that. We got arbitration numbers were finalized yesterday. I, I was working yesterday, so 
didn't get a chance to uh, have a live episode like I usually do. Uh, so those arbitration, all six guys, those numbers have been agreed to, so we'll get to that. Uh, there were some rule changes. Uh, well, not changes, but they are reinstalled, if you will, uh, in terms of extra innings, the runner on second. So I'll get to that as well. Um, and then, so that all, all that happened pretty much on Tuesday. Dennis Lins made, made some comments replying to me in his Q&A that he did for The Athletic today uh, for subscribers. So we'll get to that news that he gave me as well. And then today's game was great. Even uh, the games that were on the minor league backfields were great in terms of news that came down. Uh, in terms of Mike Clevenger getting in his first game, Mackenzie Gore got his second start. Uh, so that all of that and more is coming up on this episode, episode 132, Talking Friars podcast, Talking Friars YouTube show. Again, everyone who's live, feel free uh, to put your comments in there, create some great conversation in the YouTube comments. Anyone watching on replay, I appreciate it as well. Daniel, right out of the gate here, unless he hits 50 bombs and a 300 average, I don't think Machado's opting out. Um, I don't even, I don't even, that's a good point. I don't know if, even if he did that, if he would opt out. Uh, I think he really wants to win, and I really think that he wants to be on a World Series contender. And so maybe he, like, they restructure his contract and the Padres give him more money if that happens. Uh, because if he does that, he's probably the MVP of the league. So maybe there's probably incentives there. Um, but we'll get we'll get into that. I do want to start off with the arbitration numbers on Tuesday. The Potters avoided arbitration with Luke Voigt, uh, Danelson Lamette, Victor Caratini, Chris Paddock, Joe Musgrove, Jorge Alfaro. This is the eighth straight year the Padres will not end up going to arbitration with anyone. So that's this is pretty much what AJ Preller does. He has uh, you know a history of not going to arbitration and being able to reach agreement with players. And it's smart on him, right? As a GM, you want to have a good relationship with the players. And for anyone that doesn't know, these arbitration hearings are, you know, pretty bad for relationships sometimes, you know, heading into free agency and all that. Because literally in arbitration hearing, the player tries to make their case why they should get more money than what is being requested by the team. but the, And then the team also, they pretty much say, yeah, we like this guy, you know, he's great and all that, but here's why he sucks. Here's all the reasons why he stinks and he shouldn't be making this amount of money that he wants. Here's all the reasons why we don't think he's worth this amount of money. And so when a player goes in there and the agent and the team rips him apart, I'm sorry, Players can say uh, it's just a business and the teams can say it's just a business. But at the end of the day, if I know if I were in there and A.J. Preller would say, Ben, you suck. You can't stay healthy. Uh, you, you suck in clutch situations. I know, but we want to extend you like that would kind of hurt my feelings. So A.J. and his front office and Peter Scyther ownership, they got agreements so they won't have to go through that process. Five and a half, four, $5.45 million goes to Luke Voigt, new Padre, Danelson Lamette. Uh, just a little bit under $5 million for this year. Chris Paddock agreed. Alfaro agreed. Those terms not really known. Musgrove, $8.625 million. So that's a raise from last year as well. He's obviously a free agent after this year. Uh, and Kevin Acey told me 
few weeks ago before the lockout ended uh, that he expects the Musgrove extension talks to not happen in spring training and that to be more of a in the middle of the season type thing just because of how many things are on AJ's plate right now and with additions and looking at trades and all that obviously he said that before they got a DH but they probably still need a left fielder they're still I mean AJ he, he's always looking to improve he's always doing stuff with his cell phone and calling guys uh, other GMs around the league so he's always working uh, and then not to even mention that you know, he has to go evaluate C.J. Abrams and Mackenzie Gore and, you know, Nelson Lamette and Chris Paddock and Ryan Weathers and all these different guys to see, you know, Nomar more, more Mazar is another one and guys like that just to see, you know, what the best makeup of this opening day team is now that Fernando obviously is not going to be the starting shortstop on opening day April 7th against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So there's a lot on his plate. So Musgrove's under contract. They already agreed to the arbitration stuff for this year. So it just seems like uh, that this is more of an in-season thing just because they have him under contract. You don't need to rush it right now. You know, your priority should be evaluating who's going to be on the opening day roster with spring training happening right now and trying to improve this roster because there are still places where the team can definitely get uh, better. Uh, so that's the arbitration stuff. Let's see. Tommy Pham. That's another one I wanted to get to. Kevin Acey wrote in his Padres Daily piece on Tuesday, that like daily newsletter that he has, that San Diego has not shut the door on bringing back Tommy Pham, but Tommy Pham has kept that door shut on the Padres based on his asking price, which is seen as too high in the Padres' eyes. And Tommy Pham obviously didn't really work out I think as envisioned by Padre fans and as AJ Preller envisioned. Obviously probably getting stabbed in the back has to attribute to that before going into last year and he had some eye problems I think at the beginning of the year. Um, AC said that they're not in the same stratosphere as each other and Dennis Lynn said in the in his uh, I think Q&A today that Tommy Pham's asking price is more than the six million dollars that Jock Peterson got. And so while Jock Peterson with the Giants seems like a platoon bat, you can make the argument that Pham is also that as well. Uh, I think he'd be – if they signed Pham, he'd probably, he's the primary left fielder because Profar is not a left fielder. But if Pham struggles with the bat and let's say you know, they just want someone who's going to put together a better at-bat, let's say Pham slumping and Profar usually puts together good at-bats – or they want no more Mazar in there just to have because maybe he has more power potential than Fam. He could, you know, that could happen where Fam ends up being a platoon with Mazar. Obviously, Fam's not on the team yet, but I'm just bringing that up as a potential, you know, scenario for something that might happen um, if Fam does return. So, comparing it to the Jock Peterson deal, I think is smart. And if look. Especially with the, what, $8.6 million of room, something like that, under the luxury tax number, $230 million that they have, uh, that Preller has room to spend. They don't want to spend $6 million of that on Tommy Pham. They probably want more like $3, 4000000 million, something like that. Especially with the year that he had, especially considering I've heard literally nothing about his market. I don't know about you guys, but I've heard nothing about Tommy Pham's market and what teams are interested 
before the lockout or during the lockout, I think, I heard reports that the, the, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays might be interested in him. But I've never I've heard crickets with that now. So I'm not really sure what his market is. It feels like the Padres are only the, like the only team that has like any remote interest in bringing him in as like a real starter. So we'll just have to see. I'd expect that price tag that Pham has if he wants to play in the major leagues this year to come down significantly uh, because, look, you have to have two sides to tango, you know, if you will, and uh, there's not two sides dancing with each other right now in the fam and another team for an agreement to happen. It's only fam that wants this and the other team doesn't want that. Uh, so that's the Tommy Fam situation. Look, I think that the Padres are the best odds as the team, like the favorites to bring Tommy Fam back, but they're not going to bring him back if he keeps this price tag where it is, which is, according to reports, more than $6 million for 2023. So that's the latest on Tommy Pham. Uh, rule changes yesterday. Joel Sherman of the New York Post reported that a runner on second in extra innings is back. 28-player rosters in April. So that's definitely a positive, I think, for the Padres. You know, Blake Snell's not really built up, hasn't even pitched in a game yet or a backfield session. I think he is going to pitch. I believe I saw he said this on Ben and Woods earlier this morning. He said that he'll throw in a live BP on Saturday and then five days later, so next week, sometime late next week, he'll pitch in a in the big stadium in the regular uh, spring training game. But he is behind where other guys are because he hasn't even pitched in a live BP yet, where like Mackenzie Gore pitched in a live BP weeks ago. Uh, Clevenger pitched three innings today. We'll get to that even when he was only supposed to throw two. So he looks like he's ahead of schedule. Musgrove, he uh, was obviously throwing with Clevenger the whole offseason that was documented um, so it seems like Snell's behind there so in terms of the 28 man roster thing that seems like a positive because I think the Padres want Snell to be on the roster I was listening to John and Jim on extra earlier today and they were talking about how they're mad with Snell and they're disappointed and all that they're irritated that Snell uh, you know probably took a break during the lockout uh, but I I'd, I tweeted back at them on Twitter. I think that the 28-man roster will lessen that blow and lessen that critique. Uh, Snell is a, is a slow starter usually, so if he's a slow starter and he struggled out of the gate like last year, if he's pitching in fewer innings, then maybe that's fewer times that he has a chance to mess up. So that's something there as well. I think also it increases his chances of staying healthy and having a fresher arm later into the season, which is always a plus as well. And... On paper right now, the Padres have the best rotation in baseball. They have depth with Paddock and Weathers and Gore. I think Gore with 28-man roster, you increase that by two guys. Why can't Gore make the opening day roster the way he's pitching right now? So he could be an option. Maybe not to start games. Maybe they give that to Nick Martinez. But he could come in and pitch two or three innings after Snell or after Martinez or after Clevenger, whoever's not built up. That's a possibility as well. So I think the 28-man roster can help ease this kind of criticism of Blake Snell, uh, you know, with how he, has, he is, hasn't even gotten into a live BP session yet. Uh, so that's a developing story and something to, you know, really think about. But good news in terms of Snell is that he did tell Ben and Woods earlier today on 97.3 The Fan that his changeup is back. It seems like Ruben Niebla has helped with that. So 
that's another positive is that changeup that Snell didn't that struggled with last year, and, and while his slider got better, it's uh, it's still encouraging. I mean, you want that changeup. That was a that's a big pitch for Blake Snell is to have that changeup. Uh, so I would think that he should be able to build off of that last month or so that he had last year before that groin injury on that Sunday day game at Dodger Stadium. Um, sticking with the rule changes here that Joel Sherman did that talked about, not really a rule change. They're really sticking with the, the rule from last year. Uh, and 2000, what was it, 2020, I think, that they had that as well. Ek runners on second in extra innings is back. I mentioned that a few moments ago before I got into that whole Snell thing. But runner on second in extra innings is back for this year. I understand where the players are coming from then that, from that, and I understand broadcasters and stuff that want to say, this is good for us, right? We don't want to be here for 18 innings. Uh, but maybe I'm more of a purist with this, and may, or maybe I'm just someone that likes to earn things and not have things given to me. And I think that still applies to baseball as well. Uh, because, look, you have a run. I get it's both teams get it. But to have, let's say, you know, the bottom of the order, right? It's the bottom of the order and, you know, 8-9-1, something like that in extra innings. And you put a runner on second base, right? Now, that bottom of the order there could still drive that run in because they get a single, right? They're not power hitters. Maybe they get a single and they still drive the run in. Where if it's the top of the lineup and there's a runner on second, I think that top of the lineup still has an advantage over the bottom of the lineup. And you could say the same thing with no runners on as well. But I'm just trying to make different points here and just trying to think as we go here on certain things. And just have I just go back to my argument of, my opinion of having a runner on second base, why are you giving the teams, you know, runners on second base, putting a guy in scoring position when they didn't earn it? That's not fair to the pitchers of both teams. And I get it's fair in terms of both teams get it, and it's not like football where if one team scores, the game's over in overtime, like the NFL rule was this past uh, playoffs. But at the same time, it still doesn't make sense to me that you're going to give teams a guy in scoring position. What if they haven't been able to get a guy in scoring position in the last three, four innings? So they deserve to get a runner in scoring position now just because it's the 10th inning? Like, that doesn't make quite sense to me, you know? And again, maybe it's just a purist point of view to me. And I get that. And I'll also say this, I get that you want to save the bullpen and all that. And for the Padres' sake, maybe that's a good thing because of all the injury-prone stuff that they had to deal with last year. And all that, I understand that. But at the same time, it's like I was at that, what was it, 16-inning Padre-Dodger game where Jace Tingler just wasn't thinking. And he had Weathers and Musgrove and, like, uh, Camarena hitting in that, like, five spot behind Jake and Manny. Um, You had them hitting there with all the double switches. Now that's not going to be a thing. So maybe the Potters would have won that game before the 16th inning where the Dodgers ended up winning and A.J. Paul kicked that home run to dead center. I was at that game, watched every pretty much every pitch of that whole 16-inning game, uh, which pretty much sunk the Padres right there. I mean, that was such an emotional blow for me, at least as a Padre fan. And my family having season tickets, that just absolutely sucked. Um, but with that said, 
my point there, going to that game and all that, I appreciated while fans were leaving, I was like, I'm into this, you know? I get that the players might not be, but as a fan, like, I want the team to earn that win, you know? And the Dodgers ended up earning that win. A.J. Pollock hit a home run to deep center field, over the center field wall. They earned that win. If it was a couple sack flies, I probably wouldn't have thought that they earned that win, you know? So that's kind of my point of view on it. I understand where the leak's coming from here, and you want to limit the innings and limit the bullpen arms and all that, but I guess I'm more of a purist in this point of view, but I'm not a purist in, like, the DH thing. I, I think the universal DH is a good thing because you have DHs in both leagues now. It's more fair. It's fair rules for both sides. You're not playing by different rules, and I'm tired. I was tired of seeing uh, hitters go up there or pitchers go up there and just watch three strikes go by or having – even though I'm not a Mets fan, seeing Jacob DeGrom get hurt swinging a bat. Like, you want to see the best pitchers pitch. You want to see the best hitters hit. And it creates more jobs for hitters. If there was no universal DH for the Padres, we wouldn't have Luke Voigt right now. I believe that. Because the Padres are, are thinking that this guy is going to be the primary designated hitter this year. And for two years after that, probably. Unless they deal Hosmer and then Voigt's at first or whatever. But you get, I hope you get my point there. Um... Let's see here. Going through the comments here before I get to my next topic here. Festivus asks, how is Clev looking so far? Quick tease. Through, through three innings today, we'll get to that a little bit later. Josh says, I hope they just try Noam Zara and Jorge Alfaro as a platoon in left field. What do you think? I don't think Jorge Alfaro is going to play left field. I could see Mazzara and Profar doing that. But at the same time, like, if usually a platoon happens because both guys have power and one hits well against one side and the other hits well against the other side, uh, the other armed pitcher. Um, so that's why a platoon happens, not because one hits well and has power against one side and the other guy is hitting just because the other guy doesn't hit well against the other guy uh, against the other side but the guy that's coming in for that guy that has power doesn't have power like that's not how usually a platoon works um but i don't think they'll have alfaro as a left fielder just because of defense i, I think Mazar is not great defensively there as well but he at least has more experience than alfaro does in left field so that's my initial gut reaction and as things go right now They'll probably have three catch. Maybe they might have three catchers if they want Alfaro here with that bat, and they still like Caratini catching over Alfaro. Uh, but if there was only two catchers, I mean, if if you if you're confident in Nola, do you go with Nola and Alfaro based on Alfaro's power? And he's already hit two home runs in spring training right now. I'm not going to overreact to less than one week of spring training games, but it's something to think about. So, Josh. I know I kind of didn't answer that fully, but I guess that's kind of would be my answer to that question. Darth Vader, 2020, and then a one after that, uh, says FAM is a high risk. I don't think it's a high risk. FAM would be getting paid, what, four or five million dollars? That's not really a high risk to me. High risk would be if you're giving him what he's asking, which seems like seven, eight, maybe even ten million. That would seem more high risk because now you're going over the competitive balanced luxury tax, 
for a guy who might not even be the starting left fielder by the end of the year because he struggles again. You know, who knows? I don't think it's necessarily a higher risk in terms of his playing, uh, you know, how he plays and his playing value. We know what he is, and I think he's going to have a bounce-back year this year. I see 24 players are a lock for the roster. That's an interesting point. Uh, 24 out of the 28, I'm assuming, is what you're saying, not 24 out of 26. Like, it's got to be after April. I'd have to go through it. I would disagree with that just with eyeballing it. Like, Abrams I don't think is a lock yet. Gore I don't think is a lock yet. Uh, To be honest, uh, probably someone like Alfaro isn't a lock yet. Caratini isn't a lock yet. That's four guys. Uh, I know that you're going to have to pick one of those. Camposano isn't a lock yet. I think there's a lot of guys that aren't locks. I know you're going to have to choose from those guys, which might end up 24. But right now, this early in spring training, I, my gut reaction to that was would be that 24 guys are not a lock for the roster. All right, let's move on here uh, to another topic. Bob Melvin today or Tuesday said Darvish or Musgrove will start opening day, according to Kevin Acey. Uh, those are the first two starter, the main starters that Pitt, I know Gore did, but the, the first two starters that uh, were locks for the rotation were Darvish and Musgrove. Those were the two guys, the first guys that were locks that ended up pitching in you know actual big league games. Um, so that makes sense. Musgrove was very consistent last year. Snell hasn't, hasn't even pitched in a live BP yet. Clevenger's coming back from injury. Gore's in a lock for the rotation yet. The five, all of the five-spot guys are still up uh, for competition. So Musgrove and Darvish does make sense, yeah. Uh, Tuesday's game, yesterday's game, again, I was at work, so I didn't get a chance to talk about it. Cleveland won 6-1. to one. No one cares, though, because that's this game doesn't matter, the score. But C.J. Abrams homered. It was it ruled foul, but it was obviously a fair ball. I mean, the fan, if you didn't see the clip, the fan was literally running after the ball in fair territory beyond the fence. Like, uh, the broadcast wasn't – it's not like the broadcast was showing the foul uh, – the foul pole mostly. Like, the foul pole was to the far edge of the screen. It was over here, and they were showing – right field the right uh beyond right field like they thought it was fair too but the um i guess it's spring training for the umpires as well uh but bob melvin thought it was fair i think we all thought it was fair and that was absolutely crushed off zach plesak so i'm i'm saying that cj abrams has three home runs so far he went 0 for one earlier today wasn't starting uh, but you're not going to start him every time jake cornerworth did make his spring training 2022 padres debut uh playing second base um but that was pretty much yesterday. Joe Musgrove did go three innings, two runs, five hits, no walks, two strikeouts. He said he felt pretty good, so that's really all I care about. The results are the results. I mean, starting pitchers this early, they're working on things. They might have new pitches or new uh, routines, pre-pitch routines or whatever that they're working on. So I'm not going to take too much into results from guys that are going to be in the rotation that we know are going to be in the rotation. Because... I don't think they have – until we get to a week, week and a half left when they really start like acting like it's a big league regular season start. I feel like they're st- – I'm not saying that they don't care, but I think they they only care about things that they care about, if that makes sense, going into these spring training starts. Like 
I'm sure the Ruben Niebla, the coaching staff, and the pitchers themselves say, hey, I don't, I'm not really looking at the results here. I'm trying to hit spots. If it gets hit, it gets hit, whatever. It's Arizona, balls fly right now, whatever. Uh, they have a game plan. Maybe we're, the game plan is to work on a curveball here. So if it gets smashed, who cares? We're working on it. At least now I know that what I need to work on in the next bullpen session or the next live session that I do. Uh, so they're just working on things. So I wouldn't take too much into the starting pitchers that are locked into the rotation. I would not take too much into their performances. Austin Adams, in relief, gave up a home run to Jose Ramirez. That was Tuesday's game. Uh, so that is Tuesday's events. Moving on to Wednesday, earlier today. All right, moving to Manny Machado, which was the big main thing of this episode. Uh, on Ben and Woods, Manny said this morning that... Quote, I'm here until I'm 37, and hopefully I'll be a Padre for the rest of my life, end quote. That was obviously a question that, I forget who it was, but either Ben or Woods asked about Manny and his future here. And obviously the opt-out, he has an opt-out after 2023. So that's obviously was going to be a, a, you know, that's something in the back of Padre fans' minds on Twitter and just regular Padre fans' minds. Uh, just because you... You don't want to. You hate to sign him to a ten-year deal uh, and all that stuff, and have all this optimism, and then all of a sudden, oh no, he's not, he's opting out and he's going to another team. Like you, you'd hate to see that. Obviously, t- uh, Fernando number one, Manny is the second best player on the team, but second best hitter on the team. So you wanted to see him committed, but I think before these comments, which kind of reassured to me that he is committed here. And that I didn't doubt that he wasn't committed here until the opt-out. I'm just saying committed long-term. I'm glad that he said this, uh, but the reason why I wasn't really like re- – I wasn't like assured that he was staying for long-term was because he hadn't said anything about it yet. He hadn't said that he was committed and that he wanted to be a Padre for life. Uh, the Padres with Manny Machado on the team have not made the, pl- the postseason yet in a full regular season. 2019, they didn't make it. 2021, they didn't make it, obviously, with the collapse. And 2020 was a two-month season, and they end up losing, not winning a game against the Dodgers in the NLDS uh, in Arlington. So I think the Padres, A.J. Preller needed to prove this with the managerial hiring, with bringing in guys like Luke Voigt, uh, and really just continuing that trajectory to build a winning team to Manny and to his family and all that, to his agents. Uh Prove to Manny that he's building a contender and he's going to be on a contender, a World Series contender, that is, for the remainder of his San Diego Padres tenure and beyond because he says he wants to be here for the rest of his uh, life as a Padre for the rest of his uh, career. So I think Manny is seeing that the Padres are committed and he's seeing that Peter Seidler uh, is willing to spend money and he's seeing that they're trying to do what's best for the organization and whether that was bringing up Fernando in 2019 at the start of the season or leaving all options open for CJ Abrams and Mackenzie Gore this season uh, or maybe that's in public not you know bashing Fernando like kind of I did or like other fans did in terms of their disappointment in the offseason uh, activities that he did just the overall they needed to prove to him and it feels like they're doing that now obviously we're just talking about Manny's comments of wanting to be a Padre for life right now, and maybe that can change 
if the Padres collapse again or if something really catastrophic happens with the organization or if he does something that really rubs him or if the Padres do something that really rubs him the wrong way, things can happen. But what I'm saying here is it's very encouraging and I'm very happy as a Padre fan, I'll tell you that much. That man, he said this uh, this morning on uh, 97.3 The Fan uh, that he wants to be here for the rest of his career and be a Padre for the rest of his life uh, because we just simply hadn't been reassured that yet because he hadn't said that yet, at least to my knowledge. He had not said that yet. So definitely encouraging. Again, feel free to give your thoughts in the comments live here on YouTube uh, about Manny's comments wanting to be a Padre for the rest of his life. Um, that was Manny's comments. Moving to C.J. Abrams and what A.J. Preller said. That was another topic that I put there uh, in the ticker. Um, Preller said earlier today, also on Ben and Woods, 97.3 The Fan, he said that they haven't closed any doors regarding C.J. Abrams making the opening day roster um, and even starting. Uh, he's an he's, uh, Preller said that C.J.'s answered everything that the Padres have put in front of him. Uh, which Preller's answer obviously isn't unexpected, but I did want to mention that uh, just to give more reassurance to you guys, to Padres fans, to myself, to anyone listening, watching, that might be concerned that, hey, Preller might not want to bring him up and because he wants to say uh, with the whole service time thing or anything like that. But with his history, it is obviously you assumed that he wasn't going to close any doors. I mean, if you're playing this well, like CJ is hitting three home runs technically this early in spring training. Uh, he's definitely added some, you know, strength to himself. Hit, you know, with the power and all of that. Again, that homer off Zach Plesak the other day was mashed. Uh, he has an oppo home run already this year, or this spring training, uh, this month in March here in Arizona. So all signs are pointing towards CJ making the roster, especially with 28 guys. If he continues like this and forces to put him on the roster, uh, now it's still not a sure thing that he makes the roster. But it, Preller's right in saying that the Padres will, aren't closing any doors. They shouldn't be uh, because you do need to compensate for Tatis not being in the lineup. And even if Tatis was in the lineup, if this guy's hitting better than Hassan Kim, if he's hitting better than Jerks and Profar, if he's playing overall better than them. He's faster if he's healthier, anything like that. You need to consider putting him on the roster because simply you're trying to win. You need to put the best 13 position players or however, however many guys you put on there. You need to put that the best amount of guys on the roster that you can because you have the Dodgers who are easily the World Series favorites right now that you're trying to chase and get, uh, you know, get closer to in the division. Because you want to win the division. If you win the division, you're going to probably get one of those top two seeds in the National League. Now, obviously, the Potters are not the favorites to win the division. But my point is, right now is the time to win. Right now is the window of contention is definitely open starting this year. You can say all you want, all the Dodger fans, ha, 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 Fernando's out. You're not making, you're not a World Series contender because Fernando's out. He's not going to be out the whole year. He's out for probably the first at least a couple months of the year, Preller said earlier this morning on 97.3 The Fan with Ben Woods that probably early summer is what they're looking at for with Fernando. So he's going to be back, and you, the Padres are talented enough 
especially with their pitching to hold them together and with the top of the lineup to hold them together, especially if CJ's leading off or hitting second, wherever, whatever they decide with that. Their talents did enough to hold them afloat and at least keep that a wild card spot, you know, before, you know, until Fernando at least comes back. And any, even if Fernando was here, it's a team sport. Fernando hit 42 home runs last year, was an MVP candidate, and still the Padres collapsed and didn't make the playoffs. It's a, it, Fernando playing well helps the team, but him playing well doesn't mean that they're a World Series contender. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm banking everything on Fernando. And I, I feel like people that I've heard on the radio, people like that, or on Twitter, they're saying, let's just wait till Fernando gets back. Look, you, you, even when Fernando gets back, you're still going to have to play really well. Let's not kid ourselves. Same thing with the Dodgers. If Freddie Freeman does well and the rest of the lineup stinks, I know that's not going to happen. But if that happens, then the Dodgers aren't going to be a World Series contender. So it's all the same thing here. Uh, but I did want to touch on that, what Manny said, what Preller said. Dallas, Dennis Lynn, Dallas, sorry, Dennis Lynn of The Athletic uh, told me in a Q&A today as well that the Padres wouldn't have Abrams on the bench much if he breaks camp, which is obviously uh, expected, right? You want to get him at bats, and there's no point in starting a service clock and all that if you're just going to have him on the bench when he's a potential five-tour player uh, in the future. You don't want that guy sitting on the bench, especially when Fernando's hurt. Uh, and then he also said he gives Abrams like a uh, – a little over 50% chance to uh, make the opening day roster, but then clarified in a later comment that it's definitely far from a sure thing that he makes the opening day roster, which is also true because it's March 23rd and opening day is now, what, like two weeks and a few hours away. So as I'm recording this, as I'm going live on YouTube right now. So there's still two weeks here of at-bats where – He's going to face more and more major league pitching because guys are ramping up, pitching more innings. He's going to be facing that major league pitching now. And so this is going to be a better indicator now for Preller, for the front office, for Bob Melvin, for Ryan Christensen, for the rest of the coaching staff, Mark Michael Berdar, for the rest of the staff, front office and coaching staff, of what Abrams can really do against major league pitching and if he's really ready to face major league pitching. That's the true indicator right now. Um, so I would definitely pay attention more to what happens these next two week these next two weeks than what he's done the first uh, week. I know the three home runs is great and all, but I'd pay attention more to what's going to happen when he's facing real consistent major league pitching. Uh, so that's CJ. Uh, Lynn also said in his mailbag that Gore is not going anywhere anytime soon in terms of a trade, and I'm I've definitely held that opinion as well. Uh, you're not going to give up on him when, especially when he's pitching this well, and especially before Ruben Nieblas really had a chance to uh, really work with him. And obviously, it seems like it's working right now. Uh, Ruben Niebla, Scanlon was saying this on the broadcast today during Gore's start, which we'll get to really shortly here, uh, that Ruben Niebla was having Mackenzie Gore use weighted balls to help, not with like getting throwing faster and strength and all that, but. Uh, in terms of helping with arm slot. So that's just an aspect, and Ru that's an aspect of what Ruben Niebla's wants to kind of tweak with McKenzie and ha have him work on and see if that works. I'm not going to give up on the, what was used to be, uh, in a matter of a couple years ago, the number one pitching prospect in the league. Like, 
it's in their steel. And we're definitely seeing that, which is a great transition here uh, to Mackenzie Gore's start today. Padres won three to nothing. No one cares again, like I mentioned earlier with yesterday's game, because the results don't matter. Uh, the scores don't matter, I should say that. Uh, Gore had a 1-2-3 inning in the first inning, two strikeouts with a high uh, fastball. He struck out two in the second inning. He had 24 pitches through two innings. His first hit wasn't allowed until the ninth batter of the game. It was a fastball in. That was, I believe, supposed to be a fastball away, so missed a spot there. But that was the only hit he allowed. He went three innings today, so one inning more than his first start of spring training that he had uh, last week. 47 pitches through three innings. Final line, again, three innings, didn't give up a run, gave up one hit, didn't walk anyone, five strikeouts, has not walked anyone in spring training, has not given up any runs in spring training. So all of those things are definitely encouraging if you're a San Diego Padres fan, if you're Ruben Niebla, if you're Bob Melvin, if you're A.J. Preller, if you're a San Diego Padres fan, like I am. So, and like pretty much I hope everyone in the chat is. Um, so that's definitely encouraging. Uh, even when he wasn't hitting his spots, he was still effective, at least with the fastball, uh, because it was up in the zone for some of those pitches, and the velocity, the, the increase in velocity obviously helps as well, because it's less time that the hitter obviously has to you know really decide on when they're going to swing or not. Uh, I did want to share a tweet that I had comparing... Uh, Mackenzie Gore's pitch location where it was supposed to be with uh, who was catching today? I think it was Jorge Alfaro. Yeah, um, catching Gore today in Peoria. So my last episode covering Gore's first start, I wasn't too high on like his command and all that like everyone else was. And I showed the stats and all that. I logged it as well today. How many times he hit his spot? I logged 20 time, 21 times he hit his spot uh, out of the 47 total pitches that he threw in those three innings. Again, like I mentioned here in this tweet for the YouTube audience that's seeing here, uh, but for the podcast audience, I'll definitely read it out loud. I liked – I was more encouraged with this start because even when he didn't hit his spots, like I mentioned briefly a moment ago, he was still effective with that fastball because – that increase in velocity, and the fastball was still in the zone. It was up when it was supposed to be down sometimes, but it was still in the strike zone, and that fastball up can really be enticing, and hitters probably can't catch up right now to that 97 that you know McKenzie's throwing, 96-97. Um, so for the YouTube audience, here is one split that was, I mean, absolute paint hitting exactly where Jorge Alfaro's glove was, with the fastball, Jorge Alfaro's glove right there, and he literally hits exactly where the glove is. That was one. That was just one fastball. I think that was during the first inning uh, today in McKenzie's start. And then here's a breaking ball. Jorge Alfaro wants it down, and he ends up going down. Now, look, for anyone watching, you're like, Ben, Jorge Alfaro's glove was at the knees. For uh, Who is this hitting? Um, I forget who uh, Taylor Ward I think is that that's hitting for the Angels wants it at his knees and then it ends up in the like Alfaro's glove is pretty much in the dirt he's about to scoop it it looks like but for breaking for fastballs that would be true where he didn't hit his spot but I consider this hitting his spot here with a breaking ball because 
Alfaro's glove here is at the knees, and that's where I think he wants Gore to throw the ball and aim the ball. He wants Gore to aim it at the glove, and then it'll end up dropping, you know, sliding off the table, if you will, as it gets to the plate, and that's where you get the strikeout. So that's why I think it, I'd still consider that hitting his spots with the breaking ball. Um, and so that was his second spring, spring training appearance today. Again, has not given up a run this spring yet. Five innings of work. I'd expect him to go four innings next time out and just keep building up from there. But right now, he looks better than Ryan Weathers. I know Ryan Weathers has only pitched once so far, but he gave up two home runs. And Chris Paddock, I mean, obviously there's still two weeks. It's kind of like C.J. Abrams. Like, the jury's still out. He's going to face more major league hitters. You, you got to pay more attention to what they do the next these final two weeks than what they're going to do what they're doing right now uh, in the first week of spring. Like it, you still have to take into account who's hot, who's not. So I did want to talk about that Mackenzie Gore start in the comments. How confident are you in Mackenzie Gore? Do you think Mackenzie Gore ends up making the opening day roster based on what we've seen? My answer is yes. If if he continues on this trajectory, uh, but I think. The likely scenario right now is he would piggyback someone. Maybe that's him starting and Nick Martinez coming in. Or if it's him piggybacking with Blake Snell or someone there, I would think that just for health reasons maybe. Um, and they did give Nick Martinez $25.5 million, you know, a matter of weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, or one week ago. So it probably wouldn't be a great look for A.J. Preller to not have the guy that they just gave $25.5 million to not be in the rotation uh, after, well, no, especially when Gore hasn't, you know, pitched in the big leagues ever yet. Um, so maybe that's uh, maybe a reason why they do that. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, let's see here. Can't wait to see Gore with some major league starts. Like to see him face batters multiple times in a game because major league hitters adjust the second and third times at bat, but he's got talent. Yeah, kind of like I meant, I agree with that. Uh, kind of like I mentioned, uh, do, yeah, I think, obviously, these next, I think this is what you're kind of alluding to. The next two weeks are more important than what we're seeing right now. Seeing major league hitters the second and third times around when they are going to be adjusting is definitely something that you're going to have to look at more carefully than the first time around, probably. And just him seeing if his command is as great as you get into the fourth or fifth inning when he continues to get, you know, built up. So yeah, that's definitely something that the Padres will be looking at and what they look at, I'm sure with all pitchers that are on the fringe in terms of starting pitchers making the team or not. How do they fare as they get deeper into games because that's what they're going to have to end up doing during the season. It's one thing to pitch well the first time around, but what are you going to do the second and third time around when you're facing Mookie Betts? for a second and third time around. You know, is he going to realize what you're doing and you can continue with that game plan and then get crushed? Or are you going to make an adjustment if something didn't work the first time around? Or are you going to see that, hey, maybe this guy chased low and away the first time around and maybe let's try fishing him and seeing if he'll fish even farther, far and away, low and away, you know, outside the strike zone to make sure that they literally don't make contact with the pitch. So just those little things, I do agree, do uh, Zertrees619, I do agree uh, with uh, that assessment there. Um, so again, that's Gore. He hit 21 out of the 47 spots, uh, according to 
my game log that I did, just watching every pitch that he threw. Uh, let's see here. Lamette is also another one. He came in second behind Gore in the game. Two strikeouts in his only inning, a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. It's pretty much where he was at. I think AC said that. Um, Bob Mellon said today with with Lamette slider and usually guys out of the bullpen, they have those that one really like big pitch, strikeout pitch, and that seems like the slider for Lamette. And so I really think they're going to look at him as the closer. I don't think it would be smart to do that right out of the gate. Um, I think he needs to prove that he can pitch, you know, two times in three days, three times in three days, or excuse me, two times in three days, three times in four days maybe before you try really pushing it with that. Uh, but I think he, he does have the potential to end up being the closer at some point this season. I would definitely see that possibly happening uh, because I think they – I think having – obviously – well, I don't think. It's obvious. Having Denelson Lamette is better than not having Denelson Lamette. You know, having a healthy Lamette is better than not having a healthy Lamette because he's on the field. He's on the mound pitching. And we know regardless of how many innings he throws – when he, go, when he pitches well, he's really, really good. Um, so I would be open to being, having him close, probably just not out of the gate. I'd probably be more comfortable with him building up to that um, and giving it, even if it means you give it to Emilio Pagan, who I know Padre fans don't like right now based on recency bias from last year, but he did pitch well in his first spring training appearance the other day. Um, but I'd give it to him because he has closing experience. He's done it before. I'd give it to Robert Suarez because he even did it in Japan. I know it's not the same. I'd give it to Luis Garcia's before or Garcia uh, before Lamette, at least out of the gate, because he still has that eighth, ninth inning experience, those big games pitching back to back to back days with the Cardinals. Um, so that's my viewpoint on it. Again, let me know in the comments. Let me know. Talking Fires on Twitter, Instagram, on the YouTube page, obviously, uh, if you agree where you would put Lamette in the bullpen, because that's where it seems like he's going. You know, he only went one inning here. Melvin did say that they're going to try to stretch him out a little bit, but I think for him, stretching out means two innings, three innings at the max, if they're going to start the season maybe with some piggyback option where you go Lamette, Weathers, or Weathers, uh, Gore, Lamette, a combination like that. Maybe that's a possible, or Snell, Lamette. Something like that. I think that's what they mean by building him up because I think his best spot right now, his best spot is in the bullpen. I think that's where you need to use him. Um, so that's the little Met thing. Jorge Alfaro mentioned this earlier. He homered to left center field earlier today in the fifth inning. His second home run is spring training. The first one is Oppo. Today he pulls it to left center. Uh, again, it's a 28-man roster like I mentioned earlier. So this could really help Alfaro if they really want an extra bat, if they don't want to hit Hosmer in the lineup sometimes and they want Alfaro to DH, and then you have Voigt play first base. There's a lot of options there. Uh, worst case scenario, you have Alfaro play left field, and I don't want that to happen. Uh, but there's people on Twitter that are bringing that up. I know he's played a handful of games there. I don't think that's uh, definitely what they want. Uh, but he's not a great defensive catcher. Same with Camposano. So if they make the team, it's going to be based off their power, based off of their offense. So I think that 
the 28-man roster is going to help our farmers' chances of making the roster uh, because of that power and that potential even pinch hitter power late in games that could work. Uh, if you have like Profar up at the plate or if you have uh, someone with a little less power or someone who's in a slump who you'd rather have Alfaro come up and hit uh, for. So I think Alfaro getting out – and this brings me to the same thing with Abrams and Gore. It's kind of a little – maybe a little captain obvious, but this is a great start, but it's more about how he finishes. Who's hot these next these last two weeks? Can he do this for a, a, a full – consistent period of time here in spring training we're gonna see time will tell uh manny machado had three appearance plate appearances today rbi single in the fifth mike clevenger did want to touch on him he pitched today as well as gore did but gore obviously pitched in the actual game clev ended up pitching in a backfield against the chicago white Sox minor leaguers Got three outs too quickly, according to A.J. Castle in the first inning, so he actually pitched a fourth out. So he technically went three in the third innings, but he went three innings because uh, he went four outs in the first. Um, he was only supposed to pitch two innings, according to A.J., uh, so he seemed like he was feeling good. Obviously, he was really, really efficient. Three perfect innings, three and a third perfect innings technically. Uh, 41 pitches, 94, 95 miles an hour is what he was sitting at, four strikeouts. So again... This is positive news, just like the Gore news is positive, you know. Uh, pitching well. Now, Gore wasn't really coming off injury. He was more just struggling. But Clev coming off an injury, obviously, you really want him to pitch well here. If he's the fourth starter and he's pitching like this, holy, holy cow, watch out for this stinking rotation, man. That's going to be definitely going to back up my claim as the best rotation uh, in baseball. Obviously, I think it is on paper. Now it's just a matter of if those things, uh, you know, reflect themselves when the season starts. Those are two separate things on paper and when the season starts, what things actually happen on the mound. So Clevenger pitching well, obviously, is really, really good. It seems like his next appearance, I think, will be in a big league game. Um, so those these were all pleasant signs. Uh, obviously, the Snell news of him pitching a live BP is better than him not going to be pitching a live BP, uh, what, Saturday? Um, so I, I understand the frustration for fans having uh, Snell, obviously probably the second best pitcher in the rotation, at least you know, upside-wise, behind Darvish, not being ready, not pitching in games like Musgrove is and like Paddock and Gore are, and even Clevenger pitching in you know simulated games and all that. Um uh, against other minor league teams on backfield. He's not even doing that. So I understand their frustration and kind of with the viewpoint of what the heck was he doing during the lockout. But at the same time, I think the 28-man roster will, can definitely help. And I think he can be fresher, uh, you know, later in the season. And I think it's also important to, to not take this out of proportion and to not stretch it to a bigger story than it really is. He's going to build up, and I think he's going to be fully, fully bolted built up sorry i can't speak right now i think he's going to be fully built up a couple starts into the season because if he's going to pitch on saturday let's say it's like what two innings and then he goes three innings in his first uh start five days from saturday so what is that going to be one two three four that would be thursday the 31st then his next start one two three four would be tuesday april 5th and then that would set up 
uh, I think the last game of the Diamondback series for him to pitch on the, what, 10th? Uh, he would pitch then, what, four innings there? Four or five innings there? So it's not like he's... It's not like he's going to be pitching one or two innings in his first start in the big leagues this year. He's going to be built up. He's still going to be built up a little bit. It's not going to be as far as other guys, but he's still going to be built up. And I think piggybacking him with Paddock or piggybacking him with Gore is definitely an option. So I don't want to overreact to Snell doing this. That's my viewpoint. You can obviously be mad about it, but... I just want to trust that he's uh, healthy now, his uh, changeups improving, and if that's all the case, and they can, you know, he's built up after a couple starts in the season. I think we'll all forget about it, to be quite honest. Um, so that's the Snell thing. Covered a lot of things here. We'll definitely uh, answer some more questions here before getting out of here. Again, any more last-second questions here, drop them in the comments here on YouTube, the live stream. Let's see here. With Tatis' con constant immaturity, if the season doesn't go well, I wouldn't be surprised if he at least considers an opt-out. Uh, I think you're referring to Manny. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I think Machado can – I think Tatis – yeah, if the immaturity continues – I can understand why he'd be frustrated, but I think at the same time, I think all it would take for him is just to go have a conversation with Tatis and say, look, dude, if you want to win a World Series with me, if you want me to stay here, he, I guess he could say it that way as well. I think he, he could just do that and say, dude, if you want me to stay here, you got to be more mature. You know, you're a big part of this team. I'm a big part of this team. I'm doing my job. I'm being smart. You're not. You got to, you know, fix what you're doing here. I think it's, it might be just as simple as that. Let's see here. Another one from Dewzertree619. Uh, Lamette is exiting as a closer. What concerns me is a closer sometimes has to pitch multiple days and considering his prior injuries. Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I brought up earlier. Um, I think... Yeah, and Festivus says Denelson for closer. I'd be open to it, but I don't think it's smart to do that right out of the gate because of those injuries. I don't think him pitching back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back days like some closers do would be smart. I think maybe you go two and three days if you want to go at it that way and you have Pagan close the middle game or Suarez or Garcia close the middle game, something like that. Uh, but I, I would be... Really cautious with doing that, with overtaxing him that early in the season and doing it that frequently. I think they can do it more of a uh, bullpen committee with Lamette maybe being the main guy, but not every time being the solidified closer. I think that's definitely an option. Another one here. Who do you think Padres give the start to opening day in San Diego? Hope for Snell? Or I'll tell you right now. Oh, in San Diego? It seems like lining up right now, it's Musgrove, and I would definitely vouch for that. I think he deserves it. With the no-hitter that he threw last year, with him being the only healthy starter all year last year, with him being one of the aces of the staff potential-wise, and he's continuing to get better every year, the hometown kid, all of that, I, I would definitely hope that Musgrove is the 
uh, opening day home home opener on April 14th, that home opener starter. Uh, because I don't think Snell, I don't think Snell deserves it quite honestly when he's not ready right now. I think the home opener should be someone who's built up. I think I think that's just the smarter thing to do. Someone who's built up, someone who really deserves it, really stayed on top of it uh, during the off season, during spring training. I think that's the person that really deserves it. Um, so those are my thoughts. I don't think it'll be Snell because he's definitely behind people. He's definitely behind the eight ball. And in terms of scheduling, I think right now Musgrove is on schedule to be that guy uh, to pitch that April 14th home opener if Darvish is being the opening day starter uh, on April 7th in Arizona. All right, we covered a lot here. Gore's second start. He shined, looked really well. Uh, Clevenger pitched as well. He looked good. All signs pointing good as there. Uh, C.J. Abrams as well. He keeps shining. Machado wants to be a Padre for the rest of his life. We'll see if that ends up happening. Uh, one more here from Gill. Jackson Merrill, Yankees wanted him at around the 23rd pick. Uh, they He went 28th to the Padres. He's projecting better than I thought. I see him ending up at third or first base. Jackson Merrill is not going to be a first baseman. I think he might end up just being trade bait, or if Cronenworth moves to first and Abrams is in the outfield, maybe he's a second baseman. Uh, I think that's a long ways away. So I think I think they're going to pull the C.J. Abrams and just keep playing him at shortstop, or at least the middle infield. That's a long way away. And maybe they end up trading him. Who knows? Um, but again, a lot covered. Machado. Wanted to be a partner for life. All the arbitration stuff is done. Austin Meadows, by the way, $4 million arbitration with the Rays, so that would fit under the Padres' uh, number to, to stay under that $230 million number. Uh, but obviously, it's not as simple as that. You need the Rays to agree to the to how many players and draft picks, what they want. Uh, you need the Rays to be able to agree to that. Uh, so that's probably a long shot from happening. Uh, the rule changes or rule reinstatements, if you will, uh, run around second in extra innings. Uh, AJ Preller, you know, leaving the door open on CJ. CJ greater than fifty percent chance, according to Dennis Lynn, to make the roster. Gore is definitely not going to get moved. Uh, go, not going anywhere, 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 anytime soon, which is definitely, obviously, uh, the good thing uh, because based on what we're seeing right now. If Gore ends up being the fifth starter and Snell's healthy and everyone's healthy, oh my goodness, that is a – there is literally no day off for any team that comes into Petco Park. There just isn't. So fun episode sponsored by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and subs, gaglionebros.com. Again, located at Petco Park throughout the season uh, starting April 14th, the home opener against Matt Olson and the Atlanta Braves. Located Sports Arena, Point Loma. Hit them up, gaglionbros.com for the full menu. Those guys, Joe Gaglione and family over there, they are great. They're the sponsor of this episode, episode 132, Talking for Hours podcast, Talking for Hours YouTube show. I appreciate all the support. Everyone have a good night. Again, subscribe to this YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button, uh, the thumbs up button. Uh, again, I know people have wanted super chats to happen here, so we need a certain amount of subscribers, I think a thousand. So definitely, if you want that to happen, please encourage friends, encourage everyone to hit that subscribe button on YouTube. 
I appreciate everyone listening podcast as well. Everyone have a good night. Everyone stay safe. Go Padres. Until next time, see you later. Ben Fadden signing off. Have a good night. See ya.